Chapter Sixteen of Celtic Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karen Yamada, A.K.A. Terry Jones. Celtic Fairy Tales, selected and edited by Joseph Jacobs. Chapter Sixteen, The Storyteller at Fault. At the time when the Tuatha de Danann held the sovereignty of Ireland, there reigned in Leinster a king who was remarkably fond of hearing stories. Like the other princes and chieftains of the island, he had a favourite storyteller, who held a large estate from his majesty, on condition of telling him a new story every night of his life before he went to sleep. Many indeed were the stories he knew, so that he had already reached a good old age without failing even for a single night in his task, and such was the skill he displayed that whatever cares of state or other annoyances might prey upon the monarch's mind, his storyteller was sure to send him to sleep. One morning, the storyteller arose early, and as his custom was, strolled out into his garden, turning over in his mind incidents which he might weave into a story for the king at night. But this morning he found himself quite at fault. After pacing his whole demesne, he returned to his house, without being able to think of anything new or strange. He found no difficulty in there was once a king who had three sons, or one day the king of all Ireland, but further than that he could not get. At length he went into breakfast, and found his wife much perplexed at his delay. "'Why don't you come to breakfast, my dear?' said she. "'I have no mind to eat anything,' replied the storyteller. "'Long as I have been in the service of the King of Leinster, "'I never sat down to breakfast without having a new story ready for the evening. "'But this morning my mind is quite shut up, and I don't know what to do. "'I might as well lie down and die at once. "'I'll be disgraced forever this evening, when the King calls for his storyteller.' Just at this moment the lady looked out of the window. "'Do you see that black thing at the end of the field?' said she. "'I do,' replied her husband. They drew nigh, and saw a miserable-looking old man lying on the ground, with a wooden leg placed beside him. "'Who are you, my good man?' asked the storyteller. "'Oh, then, tis little matter who I am. I'm a poor old lame, decrepit, miserable creature, sitting down here to rest a while.' "'And what are you doing with that box and dice I see in your hand?' "'I'm waiting here to see if anyone will play a game with me,' replied the beggar-man. "'Play with you? Why, what has a poor old man like you to play for?' "'I have one hundred pieces of gold in this leathern purse,' replied the old man. "'You may as well play with him,' said the storyteller's wife, "'and perhaps you'll have something to tell the king in the evening.' A smooth stone was placed between them, and upon it they cast their throws. It was but a little while, and the storyteller lost every penny of his money. "'Much good may it do you, friend,' said he. "'What better hap could I look for, fool that I am?' "'Will you play again?' asked the old man. "'Don't be talking, man. You have all my money.' "'Haven't you chariots and horses and hounds?' "'Well?' "'What of them?' 
I'll stake all my money I have against thine. Nonsense, man. Do you think for all the money in Ireland I'd run, run the risk of seeing my lady tramp home on foot? Maybe you'd win, said the bugach. Maybe I wouldn't, said the storyteller. Play with him, husband, said the wife. I don't mind walking if you do love. I never refused you before, said the storyteller, and I won't do so now. Down he sat again, and in one throw lost houses, hounds, and chariot. Will you play again? asked the beggar. Are you making game of me, man? What else have I to stake? I'll stake all my winnings against your wife, said the old man. The storyteller turned away in silence, but his wife stopped him. Accept his offer, said she. This is the third time, and who knows what luck you may have. You'll surely win now. They played again, and the storyteller lost. No sooner had he done so than, to his sorrow and surprise, his wife went and sat down near the ugly old beggar. Is that the way you're leaving me? said the storyteller. Sure, I was one, said she. You would not cheat the poor man, would you? Have you any more to stake? asked the old man. You know very well I have not, replied the storyteller. I'll stake the whole now, wife and all, against your own self, said the old man. Again they played, and again the storyteller lost. Well, here I am, and what do you want with me? I'll soon let you know, said the old man, and he took from his pocket a long cord and a wand. Now, said he to the storyteller, what kind of animal would you rather be? A deer, a fox, or a hare? You have your choice now, but you may not have it later. To make a long story short, the storyteller made his choice of a hare. The old man threw the cord around him and struck him with the wand, and lo, a long-eared, frisking hare was skipping and jumping on the green. But it wasn't for long. Who but his wife called the hounds and set them on him? The hare fled. The dogs followed. Round the field ran a high wall, so that run as he might he couldn't get out, and mightily diverted were beggar and lady to see him twist and double. In vain did he take refuge with his wife. She kicked him back again to the hounds, until at length the beggar stopped the hounds, and with a stroke of the wand, panting and breathless, the storyteller stood before them again. "'And how did you like the sport?' asked the beggar. "'It might be sport to others,' replied the storyteller, looking at his wife. "'For my part, I could well put up with the loss of it.' Would it be asking too much, he went on to the beggar, to know who you are at all, or where you come from, or why you take a pleasure in plaguing a poor old man like me? Oh, replied the stranger, I'm an odd kind of good for little fellow, one day poor, another day rich, but if you wish to know more about me or my habits, come with me, and perhaps I may show you more. Then you would make out if you went alone. I am not my own master to go or stay, replied the storyteller with a sigh. The stranger put out one hand into his wallet and drew out of it 
before their eyes a well-looking middle-aged man to whom he spoke as follows by all you heard and saw since i put you in my wallet take charge of this lady and of the carriage and horses and have them ready for me whenever i want them scarcely had he said these words when all vanished and the story-teller found himself at the fox's ford near the castle of red hugh o'donnell he could see all but none could see him o'donnell was in his hall and heaviness of flesh and weariness of spirit brought upon him go out he said to his doorkeeper and see who or what may be coming the doorkeeper went and what he saw was a lank grey beggarman half his sword bared behind his haunch his two shoes full of cold rode awayish water sousing about him the tips of his two ears out through his old hat his two shoulders out through his scant tattered cloak and in his hand a green wand of holly save you o'donnell said the lank grey beggarman and you likewise said o'donnell whence come you and what is your craft i come from the outmost stream of earth from the glens where the white swans glide a knight in islay a knight in man a knight on the cold hillside it's the great traveller you are said o'donnell maybe you've learnt something on the road i am a juggler said the lank grey beggarman and for five pieces of silver you shall see a trick of mine you shall have them said o'donnell and the lank grey beggarman took three small straws and placed them in his hand the middle one said he i'll blow away the other two i'll leave thou canst not do it said one and all but the lank grey beggarman put a finger on either side outside the straw and whiff away he blew the middle one tis a good trick said o'donnell and he paid him his five pieces of silver for half the money said one of the chief's lads i'll do the same trick take him at his word o'donnell the lad put the three straws on his hand and a finger on either outside straw and he blew and what happened but that the fist was blown away with the straw thou art sore and thou wilt be sorer said o'donnell six more pieces o'donnell and i'll do another trick for thee said the lank grey beggarman six shalt thou have seest thou my two ears one i'll move but not t'other tis easy to see them but they're big enough thou canst never move one ear and not the two together the lank grey beggarman put his hand to his ear and he gave it a pull o'donnell laughed and paid him the six pieces call that a trick said the fistless lad any one can do that and so saying he put up his hand pulled his ear and what happened was that he pulled away ear and head thou saw thou art and sorer thou'lt be said o'donnell well o'donnell said the lank grey beggarman strange are the tricks i've shown thee but i'll show thee a stranger one yet for the same money thou hast my word for it said o'donnell with that the lank grey beggarman took a bag from under his armpit and from out the bag a ball of silk and he unwound the ball and he flung it swartwise up into the clear blue heavens and it became a ladder then he took a hare and placed it upon the thread and up it ran again he took out a red-eared hound and it swiftly ran up after the hare now said the lank grey beggarman 
Has anyone a mind to run after the dog and on the course? I will, said the land of O'Donnell's. Up with you then, said the juggler, but I warn you, if you let my hair be killed, I cut off your head when you come down. The lad ran up the thread, and all three soon disappeared. After looking for a long time, the lank grey beggarman said, I'm afraid the hound is eating the hare, and that our friend has fallen asleep. Saying this, he began to wind the thread. Down came the lad, fast asleep, and down came the red-eared hound, and in his mouth the last morsel of the hare. He struck the lad a stroke with the edge of his sword, and so cast his head off. As for the hound, if he used it no worse, he used it no better. "'It's little I'm pleased, and sore I'm angered,' said O'Donnell, "'that a hound and a lad should be killed at my court.' Five pieces of silver twice over for the each of them,' said the juggler, "'and the head shall be on them as before.' "'Thou shalt get that.' Five pieces, and again five were paid him, and, lo, the lad has his head, and the hound his, and though they lived to the uttermost end of time, the hound would never touch a hare again, and the lad took good care to keep his eyes open. Scarcely had the lank grey beggarman done this when he banished from out of their sight, and no one present could say if he had flown through the air, or if the earth had swallowed him up. He moved as wave tumbling o'er wave, as whirlwind following whirlwind, as a furious wintry blast, so swiftly, sprucely, cheerily, right proudly, and no stop made, until he came to the court of Leinster's king. He gave a cheery light leap o'er top of turret, of court and city of Leinster's king. Heavy was the flesh, and weary the spirit of Leinster's king. T'was the hour he was wont to hear a story, but send he might right and left, not a jot of tidings about the storyteller could he get. "'Go to the door,' said he to his doorkeeper, "'and see if a soul is in sight who may tell me something about my storyteller.' The doorkeeper went, and what he saw was a lank grey beggarman, half his sword bared behind his haunch, his two old shoes full of cold road awayish water soushing about him, the tips of his two ears out through his old hat, his two shoulders out through his scant tattered cloak, and in his hand a three-stringed harp. "'What canst thou do?' said the doorkeeper. "'I can play,' said the lank grey beggarman. "'Never fear,' added he to the storyteller. "'Thou shalt see all.' and not a man shall see thee. When the king heard a harper was outside, he bade him in. It is I that have the best harpers in the five-fifths of Ireland, said he, and he signed them to play. They did so, and if they played, the lank grey beggarman listened. Heardst thou ever the like? said the king. Did you ever, O king, hear a cat purring over a bowl of broth? or the buzzing of beetles in the twilight, or a shrill-tongued old woman scolding your head off. That I have often, said the king. More melodious to me, said the lank grey beggarman, were the worst of these sounds than the sweetest harping of thy harpers. When the harpers heard this, they drew their swords and rushed at him. But instead of striking him, their blows fell on each other, and soon not a man but was cracking his neighbour's skull, and getting his own cracked in turn. When the king saw this, 
He thought it hard the harpers weren't content with murdering their music, but must needs murder each other. "'Hang the fellow who began it all,' said he, "'and if I can't have a story, let me have peace!' Up came the guards, seized the lank grey beggarman, marched him to the gallows, and hanged him high and dry. Back they marched the hall. But who should they see but the lank grey beggarman, seated on a bench with his mouth to a flagon of ale? "'Never welcome you in!' cried the captain of the guard. "'Didn't we hang you this minute? What brings you here?' "'It is me myself, you mean.' "'Who else?' said the captain. "'May your hand turn into a pig's foot with you "'when you think of tying the rope. "'Why should you speak of hanging me?' "'Back they scurried to the gallows, "'and there hung the king's favourite brother. "'Back they hurried to the king, "'who had fallen fast asleep. "'Please, your majesty,' said the captain, "'We hanged that strolling vagabond, but here he is back again as well as ever.' "'Hang him again!' said the king, and off he went to sleep once more. They did as they were told, but what happened was that they found the king's chief harper hanging where the lank grey beggarman should have been. The captain of the guard was sorely puzzled. "'Are you wishing to hang me a third time?' said the lank grey beggarman. "'Go where you will,' said the captain, "'and as fast as you please, if you'll only go far enough. "'It's trouble enough you've given us already.' "'Now, be reasonable,' said the ragman, "'and since you've given up trying to hang a stranger "'because he finds fault with your music, "'I don't mind telling you that if you go back to the gallows, "'you'll find your friend sitting on the sward, "'none the worse for what has happened.' "'As he said these words, he vanished.' and the storyteller found himself on the spot where they first met, and where his wife still was with the carriage and horses. Now, said the lank grey beggarman, I'll torment you no longer. There's your carriage and your horses and your money and your wife. Do what you please with them. For my carriage and my houses and my hounds, said the storyteller, I thank you, but my wife and my money you may keep. "'No,' said the other. "'I want neither. "'And as for your wife, don't think evil of her for what she did. "'She couldn't help it.' "'Not help it? "'Not help kicking me into the mouth of my own hounds? "'Not help casting me off for the sake of a beggarly old?' "'I'm not as beggarly or as old as ye think. "'I am Angus of the Bruff. "'Many a good turn you've done me with the King of Leinster.' This morning my magic told me the difficulty you were in, and I made up my mind to get you out of it. As for your wife there, the power that changed your body changed her mind. Forget and forgive as man and wife should do. And now you have a story for the King of Leinster when he calls for one, and with that he disappeared. It's true enough. He now had a story fit for a king. From first to last he told all that had befallen him. So long and loud laughed the king that he couldn't go to sleep at all, and he told the storyteller never to trouble for fresh stories, but every night as long as he lived, he listened again and he laughed afresh at the tale of the lank grey beggarman. End of chapter 16 Recording by Karen Yamada, a.k.a. Terry Jones